Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, friends. I am so excited and terrified and nervous, like literally my hands are shaking for what we're going to talk about today. And the reason I'm nervous for this is because I want to talk about deconstructing the girl boss myth that I feel like I was conditioned to aspire to be. And that in the last two years, I've really faced a reckoning with, along with a lot of other female founders who were able to garner spotlight. And I think we're held accountable Um, as I've talked about a little bit on the podcast before the last year for me has been a lot of coming to terms with how my trauma plays into my leadership as a boss today, but also trying to understand my intentions, where they come from, why I want to have the impact in the world that I do. And also trying to understand like why I am the anxious sort of sometimes insecure, but sometimes overly confident, you know, person that I am. Um, and hashtag girl boss is something that is a term that I think we've seen a lot on social media over the last like five, six years. And in the beginning when hashtag girl boss really started coming to light, I think it was so celebrated and reached mainstream media as this pivotal part of female leadership and something that I entering my career as a 16 year old was really excited for. And I think that in the last couple of years, as we've seen some really high profile female founders, um, you know, come to accountability, um, it's really taken on a new negative aura around this term. Um, so I'm nervous because I just want to be super honest and real with you reflecting on this term and reflecting on even some of the harm that I've, uh, caused because I had to adopt these traits or because I felt like I had to. Um, but I'm also feeling really ready and excited to be real with you. I am sitting here in the DCP podcasting studio in Times Square, New York City on my period on a heavy flow day, like free bleeding into my, you know, night pad, which is actually so comfortable every day. I've been feeling a lot more proud of the products we're creating with August. And I also am wearing a blazer for the first time in like 
two years. Um, I'm now revamping my closet. Um, and I thought the blazer would just help me, you know, sit down and be relatively calm doing this podcast. So I'm holding my notebook in front of me. And before recording this podcast, I actually wanted to revisit a lot of the articles that critique this concept of girl boss. So first of all, what is a girl boss? I think some of us might be familiar with the Netflix TV show and before that book by Sophia Amorosa called Girl Boss. And I think we're also familiar from seeing, you know, CEOs, high profile CEOs, whether it be everyone from Whitney Wolf Hurd, founder of Bumble, um, the founder of Reformation, um, founder of recently Great Jones, um, founders of Refinery29, um, even Elizabeth Holmes of Therados, kind of these really high profile female women in leadership who rose to fame, were the faces of their company very quickly, were held up by mainstream me media and the general public as the female founders that were going to change the world. And many have. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes, I think, is the extreme of kind of being uh, exposed as a fraud and is now facing prison time. Um, but I think that, you know, I entered my career in 2014 when I was 16 years old. I started my first nonprofit. And when I was looking out into the world and onto social media of what it looked like to be a woman in leadership, these were the female leaders that I was seeing in press and online. And I've never stood up and said, hi, I'm Nadia, I'm a girl boss. But I think that the term girl boss has followed me a lot as I started being written about in press. And as I was reading about what the concept of girl boss has become in our society, these three words kept coming up in different press articles and on the girl boss Wikipedia page, which were gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. And those terms really, I think, were about finding these women in leadership who took the power and platform that they were quickly building and weren't really using that platform to be as inclusive as they were saying that they were and were really celebrating, you know, I as one single person am leading to incremental change for all women in the world without taking into consideration the the their their potential responsibility of what it meant to have that leadership and also without accounting for the privileges that may have given them the opportunities that they had to have that leadership um and so i think that the word gaslight really kind of comes into play around you know these I think women in leadership who were eventually many of them held accountable for creating toxic workplace cultures. And I put that in quotes because I think that the idea of toxic workplaces um, has a lot of different meanings. And I think that we could do a whole episode around what is toxicity and how does that show up in the workplace? Um, but I think that, you know, for me, this idea of uh, women in leadership uh, in the form of a quote unquote girl boss is what I was looking towards to be completely honest, when I started my career at 16. And I think that for me, looking back at my career, and I thought about this a lot in rehab last year, and reading through the criticisms of the way that I led even growing my nonprofit period, right, was kind of the obsession that I had around working in the system and celebrating 
how women leaders and how I could push myself to adopt more masculine energy and traits of, you know, kind of hard ambition in the system, right? I think I was really understanding, okay, here's the system, this capitalist system that society has not allowed a lot of people like me to be in leadership. So perhaps the way I'm able to climb to the top and how I'm able to grow my organization is to be more, you know, strong-willed, ambitious, competitive, obsessed with growth. And I think that that obsession with growth and this adoption of masculine values is something that I think what was something I eventually was really criticized for and rightfully so, right? As um, a 16 year old, I had my eye on like growing the organization and I was absolutely obsessed with the metrics. And I talk about this a lot on throughout my speaking career over the last few years of when I was thinking about growing my nonprofit, I every day memorized the number of period products that went out the door, the number of people that we served, the number of chapters, the number of policies we were involved in, the number of states, the number of countries we were present in. And what that meant is that I was so obsessed with growth that I wasn't creating time, but I also wasn't, you know, pushed to reflect on my journey to be like, okay, how is this fast growth affecting my own health, but how is it affecting the people around me? And a lot of the criticisms around this concept of girl boss is also kind of brings up this kind of hot topic word of performativism, performativity, maybe that's the word, but this kind of, what does it look like when there's performative activism or performative commitment to values, right? And I think as a lot of the high profile girl bosses came into having a bigger platform, a lot of them led with very similar missions, right? Being the face of more women in leadership, doing leadership differently, saying, because I'm a woman, I'm going to be more empathetic, more inclusive, uh, more in tune with being socially conscious as a business. But a few years down the line, as they are, you know, gathering this success and more public scrutiny, people realize that that commitment to values and that commitment to inclusivity is not really there. Oh, I'm getting emotional talking about this because I think that for me, as you might know, last year, I think I was really held accountable for my own actions of having to take a moment and, and see where I was performative in my own commitment to inclusivity and diversity. Because I look back on my journey growing my nonprofit And it's something I'm hyper conscious of now as I'm CEO again of my new company. And for me, I was so obsessed with this idea of grow, grow, serve, serve women, serve as many women as possible, thinking about how we were going to get products to the end users. And I think one of the things that I neglected was my own team, right? And I think that that's a theme with a lot of girl bosses, you know, at all different scales. Like I am at no scale of the female founders who IPO'd their company, but in my own context, being so obsessed with growing externally that one, I was barely sleeping. Two, I didn't invest in company culture in the way that I wish I could have. Hiring was something that I often gave as a responsibility to someone else within the organization, kind of because I didn't know what I was doing and had so much imposter syndrome around it. Right. I think at the same time, now I can speak very uh, confidently about my thoughts on capitalism, 
But when I started this organization at age age 16, I wasn't questioning capitalism, right? Capitalism wasn't a term that meant what it does to me today. Now, when I think of capitalism, I think of this sexist, racist, patriarchal, misogynistic structure that was created and governs our public private sector and has created so much inequality today. When I was growing up in high school, capitalism to me was what our free market was and what allowed America to have the incredible economy that we had. I wasn't at the stage in my own academic career or in my own like unlearning career of understanding the fact that the system we lived in was rigged, right? So when I was starting my nonprofit, and I was looking at the girl bosses ahead of me using business and platform as a way to create change. That was what I was learning from. And I'm not saying this to make excuses for myself. I'm actually saying this as, you know, this is what goes through my head is I'm trying to understand why I did the things that I did and why I led in the way that I did, why I made the mistakes that I did, right? I was looking at these women saying, well, they are also looking at the system, using it to their benefit, saying, you know, we live in a business or in a world where business is what gives you power to make change. So here they are creating business. Here they are creating platform. Here they are talking to large audiences to get them to change the way they think, right? Here are female founders who are getting up and talking about sexual harassment in the workplace and owning the fact that they need a seat at the table. Here are women who are getting up and saying, you know, I'm highly educated and I'm proud of it. And we need more women to be like that. And I think that in many ways, you know, I was coming in as a young 16 year old, no job experience, you know, not coming from any experience running a nonprofit or being involved in a nonprofit before this and starting my own. And that what these were the women that I was looking to for inspiration, right? I am a 16 year old. I want to start a nonprofit. I'm obsessed with the numbers because I think that that is what what means impact, if we can actually measure the impact. And I don't want to be another person who is kind of more slacktivism, not creating real impact. So I over obsess with the numbers and I focus on the platform and social media because that is the tool in front of me. And I drive, I go hard. I'm watching girl boss. I'm looking at this trend of hustle culture. That's about, you know, we live in a world rigged against us. So what do we have to do? Work harder, sleep less. And that's what I did. asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to GEICO becomes an easy choice. Switch to Today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote unquote, yes men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. 
We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. And that's why I burned out so many times. And that's why, you know, I am still today learning how to sleep enough and learning how to take care of myself and value myself for something beyond success. Um, But I think that like, these are kind of the tenets that I've been thinking about a lot as I've gone back and really reread the criticisms of this movement of girl boss, right? And it's really interesting for me because in a lot of my work today around destigmatizing periods, I interact with a lot of uh, boomers who menstruate, right? Women who have been, cisgender women who've been conditioned by society to feel ashamed of their periods. And when I talk to them about periods, they're like, no, but it is private, right? It doesn't really click with them like that periods can be talked about openly. And I think that I'm, I kind of have a little bit of that unlearning blockage even around this concept of girl boss, because even as I was reading these, you know, kind of papers around, um, like even academic papers, uh, criticizing this girl boss movement and hustle culture movement. Um, and as I've talked to actually other female founders who, you know, were, you know, canceled for creating toxic workplaces. I think that for me, I have a lot of empathy for their journey and my own journey of doing unlearning because in many ways, when we were coming into leadership or when they were coming into leadership, this is just what the, what the status quo was, right? Like a lot of the toxic workplace culture, um, you know, and not the racist racism part, but the part that was like encouraging people to work from the time they woke up to the time they went to sleep and on weekends and not having a personal life that in many industries is still the norm. The female founders who are a few decades older than me, who were accused or, you know, where people shared experiences of them creating toxic workplace culture. When you talk to them about their experiences, they say, you know, it's really interesting because when I came into my career, every mentor, every boss of mine told me the way to get ahead was to be the first one in the office, the last one to leave, the person to send emails when everybody else was sleeping, the person who was so obsessed with growth and could talk about the KPIs and OKRs and KPIs and OKRs, key performance, you know, all these metrics and these acronyms. These were also terms that were taught to me by mentors of mine who taught me what I needed to do to set myself apart. And I think that that's where it is so important to create space and and why I'm pushing myself to do this podcast, because I think that the only way I've been able to further understand like why being a girl boss was an issue and why I've had to unlearn hustle culture and why I have to understand that it's not all positive to just be in the system, to play the system, but actually to say, you know, this myth of small incrementalism is harmful is by creating time in my day to sit here with you, not on my phone, but with paper and pen reading through papers of, you know, what are these patterns at play in this world and how can I be better? And I'm very, I'm I'm like very nervous talking about this because, um, I think that talking about cancel culture and accountability and girl bossness is something that I think in many ways, like I feel like I have no right to talk about publicly because in many ways I'm still on my own journey of accountability. I'm am a venture backed CEO of a for-profit company um, living in America as a Harvard graduate. And I'm still very much unlearning I think a lot of the girl boss and hustle culture that I was conditioned to aspire to, but I 
but that's also my commitment with Tigress, right? Like this podcast is about sitting here with you and being as unfiltered and real with you as possible about what this journey of leadership has been. And I kind of want to be open with you about as I'm leading my new company, I wake up every day being so terrified that I don't deserve to be here, but also being so terrified that I am creating more harm in a way that people don't want for me and is being myself and is having a platform creating harm. So much of girl boss critique has been around taking the microphone and being the face of a company. And for those of you who are familiar with August, I hope you can see how intentional and I am and how the team is in making sure that I'm not the face of the company. I'm very active on TikTok. I make 30 to 50 TikToks a day answering questions about discharge and period blood and the texture of period blood. But when you look at August and the ads that we create, it's a really intentional thing that we're trying to do to make sure that I'm not the face of the company and make sure that this company is not about Nadia and Nadia, you know, being about period products, but it's about Nadia using my skills, my platform, my leadership to lead a team to reimagine period care. And that's why like my, what I'm going to do today, this afternoon, by the way, every Friday for like six hours, I do customer service for August. And that's one of my favorite parts of my job because we get to see like what people's experiences are of using the product, talking to real menstruators about, you know, why they chose August, why they believe in August and what they think can be better about period care. And that's something that I think that I neglected to do when period, my nonprofit grew really fast. I became executive director over six years, was running a organization with a multi-million dollar budget, something that I never thought I would have the opportunity to do. And when I started my work, every single day I was working on the nonprofit, I was in a shelter, I was in a nonprofit that we were giving products to. And as I grew the organization, I went further and further away from that direct contact with who we were serving. And I think that that is the case for a lot of businesses and organizations. And with my company today, there are a lot of things that I keep learning as I critique my, this concept of girl boss for myself, where I'm trying to unlearn a lot of these habits and harmful practices and mindsets and think about how I can be a more inclusive leader and be really self-critical. And you know what? I'm really good at being self-critical. Part of it is having borderline personality disorder where part of my diagnosis is like being critical of myself. Right. But I think that a lot of where, you know, this where it's like, people always say like, I'm so sorry you have BPD. And I think every day I'm like, but BPD is kind of a superpower, right? Because it is something that makes me take this accountability journey very seriously. Because a lot of the criticism that I hear of me are things that I'm critiquing myself about all the time, right? Why should I have a platform? Why does Nadia deserve to be here? What makes Nadia qualified to be a CEO just because I have a Harvard degree, right? And studying girl bossness and critiquing my own leadership and trying to be less growth obsessed is something that I'm taking very seriously now in my journey as a CEO. Um, with August, as we've talked about, we raised nearly $2 million in our seed round. It took us a year and a half to close that seed round. Most companies really try to close their rounds of funding in a few months. It took us that long because for six weeks of that, I was in rehab doing reflection. And for even more of that, we were actively turning down checks from people that we thought were going to push us to grow too fast in a way that we weren't comfortable growing. And so I think that for me, 
Well, there are so many reasons I love Tigris as a podcast and as an avenue, but a huge part of it is because I think that this podcast is a method where I'm able to force myself to reflect on how I can be better, how I can be more mindful, hold myself accountable, but also invite all of you to hold me accountable. And I hope that as I share more of this with you and I'm literally shaking and sweating for those of you who are watching the video, I'm like perspiring all across my face and shaking because I'm nervous to share this because I feel like I'm talking about things that like people are so nervous to talk about, but like, that's the point of this podcast, right? Like, I hope that by listening to this, maybe you feel, you know, inclined to take a moment to reflect on how you're leading and how it's not, there's not one form of leadership. And maybe it's a myth that we need to play the system in order to have power to change the system. And maybe enough, if enough of us think like that, and if enough of us are comfortable holding ourselves accountable, then we're not just about small incremental change for a small group of people, but we will actively push ourselves to be more inclusive and push ourselves to be more authentic about our commitments and push ourselves to create more of a culture of accountability. Anyways, those are my thoughts. Um, I'm so excited and thankful and nervous for this to come out, but I'm just really thankful for all of you for listening and for um, taking part in just this journey with me. Um, I feel like this is a really controversial topic to talk about, um, which is kind of unfortunate that women's leadership is so controversial right now um, in a way. Um, and so I really hope that as you listen to this, like, please engage with it. Like, tell me what you think. I want to hear what you think. Send me messages like me and my team. We read through like every email. We try to respond to every message. I really want to hear what you think about this. And I'm also really open to learning. I read a few articles as much as I could this weekend in preparation for this, but I still have a lot of learning to do. And this is not going to be the end of my own understanding of the harms of girl boss culture. Um, and so I hope you enjoy this podcast. Remember, follow, share, Tigris. Um, you can stream po this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And huge thank you to my incredible team at August for helping give me the platform to keep talking about periods at DCP for giving me the space to do this unlearning and to build this community around self-growth and self-care. Um, and with that, signing off here. Thank you, friends. Love you all. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.